Hey there, boo. I see you, I hear you, I feel you. You're invited to join me, Amber, your host on a journey of embracing a life of intoxicating abundance. I'm so fulfilled by sharing conversations that initiate you to release judgment and deepen your connection with passion. With this podcast, you will find inspiration to awaken the magic of your desires, build confidence as you expand into leadership, and manifest purposeful wealth in all of its forms. We are going to talk about the energetics of all things money, menstruation, and manifestation. Because your ability to accept and receive money is in direct proportion with your level of self-confidence, and your yoni transmutes this confidence. So if you're a witchy woman excited to enrich your life with wealth, womb wisdom, and woo-woo shit, then you've been divinely guided to let go of the distractions that are stopping you from embracing your role as a leader of integrity and confidence. Stick around, boo. Are you ready to be confidently you? Hello, witchy soul. Welcome to the Wealth Witch Podcast. My name is Amber, and it is my mission to make witchy women wealthy. Hmm, it is the first time that I ever got to say that. I have wanted to change the name of this podcast for about 10 months now, and if you've been following me on Instagram, then you may be aware that I have recently completely rebranded my business from Confidently You to The Wealth Witch. And there's a bit of a story on this, which I'm not feeling super aligned to get into in this episode because I do want to dive into what we're going to be talking about today, but maybe I'll save that for another episode. But for now, know that the essence of this podcast has evolved. My whole business has evolved. And if you've been listening to this season, so season three of this podcast, I feel like It so rightfully deserves the name change. And I've finally, after 10 months, have given myself permission to do that. So welcome to the Wealth Witch Podcast. Thank you for joining me. (laughs) And in this episode, we are going to talk about shining through the worst customer service incidents. Hello, raise your hand if you are a fellow customer service worker like I am. (laughs) I do have a a part-time job. At the moment, I am back in the auto industry for, well, temporarily. I'm working there two days a week. And I want to share some stories about two different customer service incidents. One incident was from when I was pregnant, so before a major amount of my inner work journey began, and one from very recently. And I'm going to share with you how some perceived threats affect your manifestation process or really tie these stories into the manifestation process and how to work through these perceived threats. And we're going to look at three areas of focus for me that have widened what's called your window of tolerance, so widened my window of tolerance, and helped me manifest and tap into the feeling of success. I am a projector by human design. My signature is success. Success is my indication of when I am living in alignment with my design. And then we're going to finish the episode by summarizing with why these areas of focus are so important for manifestation. So let's dive right in. 
So I'll first start with the story of, so I guess to give you some context, I work in the auto industry and to protect my employment, I can't give you like super in-depth details about these customer service incidents. So I'm going to be speaking kind of broadly about them, but give you enough um, information about them that you get a sense of what's happened. So I work in the service department as a service advisor, as well as a cash office attendant. So my role as a service advisor is the communicator between the customer and the mechanic. I play the role of when you bring your vehicle in for service, you communicate all of your concerns and maintenance needs to me. I create what's something that's called a repair order that the mechanic receives so that he knows what is requesting to be done on the vehicle. And then if there's diagnostics that need to be done um, or if there's repairs that need to be done, he then brings that information to me and then I translate that mechanical lingo into a language that's understandable for the customer and then advise them what needs to be done and get their yes or no on uh, repair authorizations. And then I also work as a cash office attendant. Um, so I've got two different roles in the dealership. So when people come to pick up their vehicles, essentially I accept money from them um, and get their vehicles brought around to the pickup area so that they can take their vehicles home. So the first story, this was back from when I was pregnant with my son Noah. So this would have been about like... Th- just over three and a half years ago. It was when I was very pregnant. So I was like seven or eight months pregnant at the time. And I had this uh, female customer come in. And, you know, normally I have really good experiences with customers. I'm pretty good at being able to like navigate customer service situations. I've been in this role for a very long time. I've been working in the auto industry ever since I was 18 years old. Like I've got a lot of experience and I'm very mechanically inclined. So I'm pretty good at my job. And this female customer came in and I could sense that there was so much resistance with her before verbal communication even started. So as I was approaching her to greet her at her vehicle, there was just so much resistance that I felt. And as I began to like, you know, bring her to my desk and get her to describe to me like what's going on with her vehicle, part of my job is to ask inquisitive questions to get as many details as possible about the symptoms that you're experiencing with the vehicle so that way the mechanic knows and has the most amount of guidance to diagnose the problem on their vehicle. So she was having an issue where her Bluetooth wasn't syncing with her vehicle. So I started asking her like all of these questions. Have you done the software update on your phone? You know, have you done XYZ? This is standard protocol in order to do my job correctly, to ask her all of these questions, because if I don't, the mechanic is just going to come back to me and say, hey, did she do the software update on her phone? What kind of phone does she have? Like, I'm going to have to ask those questions anyways. So I'm trying to get her to answer these questions for me, and she's getting super impatient. She's getting so frustrated with me. She's like, like saying like, oh, my phone is just not working. And like, I don't have time to answer all of these questions. And I'm trying to explain to her, I understand that you're frustrated, ma'am, but if I don't ask you these questions now, the mechanic is going to come and ask me these questions and I'm going to have to phone you later and ask you them anyways. So long story short, she was super unhappy with me. And I'm, I'm realizing, you know, 
looking back on the situation is because I think she felt like I wasn't taking her seriously or like I didn't believe her when she said that she's tried everything to get it to work. She didn't feel heard. She didn't feel understood, etc. And she was probably frustrated that she had to bring her vehicle in for repair when she had a fairly new vehicle. The tip of the iceberg that I just found so frustrating, especially being a female in the auto industry, because it is it is a predominantly a male a male industry. So one of my colleagues, Clint, had come over, and he totally diffuses the situation and I I love this guy he is like a super awesome guy to work with I don't work with him anymore but he was one of my favorite colleagues because he's got this like grounded energy about him he seems unshakable and so he comes over and he just totally diffuses the situation and like totally makes this customer feel validated which Honestly, I don't know what he did differently than I did. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. Like I said, there was resistance with this customer before there was even verbal communication. But something about Clint, maybe she was just really attracted to his energy and that made her feel safe. I'm not sure. Um, but he just like totally diffused the situation. And after the customer left, I said to him, I was like, can you just like help this customer? Because she doesn't really like me that much. And I don't think that I'm going to be very helpful to her, if you could just take her over, that would be awesome, which he did, so that was great. But the thing about this situation with this customer is I was so emotionally activated. I, like my heart was racing, I was feeling myself sweat, like I had so much adrenaline pumping through my body. I was very triggered into like, a triggered into a trauma response. I felt very threatened by this woman because for whatever reason, like she just, she had her walls up and she, and she was angry with me for, for some reason that I, I, I can't imagine why. And this left me feeling so emotionally charged. And by the time that she left, I felt so deflated, like that activation of that adrenalized energy, like once it had passed, my energy just collapsed. I felt so deflated and it took me a long time to recover from that situation. It bothered me all day. That woman, like in my experience with that woman, it bothered me the entire day and it affected my entire day. I felt the need, like I had to vent to all of my colleagues about her and talk about her and how she was just so like angry and disruptive and like didn't want to hear me out. I even remember going up to my boss at the time, telling him like all about the situation, starting the conversation with him saying like, hey, just so you know, I had this really uncomfortable customer today and she probably had a really poor service with me even though I feel like I didn't do anything wrong like explain everything to him and he's like okay and I was like just so you know because she's probably gonna want to talk to you the service manager that is she's probably gonna want to talk to you because she was really unhappy with me for some reason that's unexplainable for me and so like I I felt the need like I had to talk about it all day I never came back to my baseline I never came back to operating inside of my window of tolerance for the rest of the day. I felt so activated for the rest of the day. I was stuck inside that trauma response for the rest of the day. And I know that it affected the rest of my customer service skills when I worked with other people. So that's incident number one, you know, feeling emotionally charged, super triggered with that customer service 
or in that customer service experience with that woman and it did not go over well. And I also, I probably didn't handle myself, even though I tried to stay patient with her, tried to stay present with her, tried to do my job with her, but I was definitely behaving through that activation. So like I probably was getting like expressing frustration with her, et cetera, et cetera. And I probably wasn't super helpful because I felt really triggered, but I tr- I did my best. <laughs> I did my best, but like I know that it, it wasn't a very like healthy situation. So now I'm going to share a different customer service incident with you. So this was from very recently, so only a couple of weeks ago, and I was working in the cash office this time, so working as the cash office attendant. A customer was coming in to pick up their vehicle, and I was prepared for this customer to come in because I saw that our shuttle service was going to be picking them up and bringing them to the dealership. So when this happens, when I see someone's coming in the shuttle, I do try to preemptively get their vehicle brought around, find their keys before they get there so that they don't have to wait a long time. Well, with this particular customer, their vehicle was still in the shop, which I found odd because their paperwork had been closed and everything was invoiced. So it appeared on paper as if it was ready to be picked up. And so I was wondering, like, why the heck is this vehicle still in the shop? And so uh, I went to the assistant service manager and he found out it's because, oh, the vehicle doesn't start. I was like, oh, okay. So this vehicle still didn't start, had to be sitting on a charger. And it said all of this in the invoice as well. Like all of this was written in the invoice. So I was like, okay, this customer must be aware of this, that his vehicle isn't going to start. If it's in the invoice, that probably means that the service advisor communicated that to him. Communication is like a huge focus of being a service advisor. Like communication is basically your number one job as a service advisor. So I was like, he must know this. So anyways, customer comes to pick up and I explained to him like, oh, okay, thank, uh, you're here now. So we're gonna go get your vehicle boosted for you. It's still sitting in the shop. Like I'm telling him all of this, like very nonchalantly thinking that he already knows that this is what we gotta do to get him going. He just has to pay his bill and for all of the other repairs that were done. And it looked like he declined uh, having a battery replaced, which is what was going to solve this particular issue because the vehicle came in for multiple issues. And he looked at me and he gets really frustrated and really upset with me. He's like, what do you mean my vehicle isn't going to start? And and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, um, I'm trying to, you know, get information from him because it seemed like he had absolutely no idea that his vehicle wasn't wouldn't start because the which was confusing to me <laughs> it was confusing to me of why he wasn't aware of that so i tried getting the whole story from him and like figuring out like what's going on with his vehicle and the entire time like his frustration is escalating he's getting really annoyed with me he's interrupting me when i'm trying to guide him through this process of like figuring out what's going on with the vehicle And the entire time, I am remaining completely composed. I am listening to him. I'm patient with him. I'm gentle with him. Honestly, like looking back on the situation, I was, I treated him like how I would treat my son when he's having an emotional breakdown. (laughs) So with that gentleness, that patience, that compassion, and I was using language like, I hear you. 
and I would say things like, can you help me understand X, Y, Z? Instead of saying, I don't understand. Because when you say something like, I don't understand, that sounds very closed off and it makes it seem like you're not, it seems very problem focused. Whereas when you say, can you please help me understand, that sounds more solution focused. And it's more like, hey, I want to understand you. Please help me understand you. It's open-minded. So I was using language like this. And I was letting him speak even and waiting him to finish talking before I spoke, even though he was not offering me that same graciousness. I was very patient with him the whole time. And I could feel myself, you know, a little bit activated. I could feel my heart rate increasing a little bit. And I could feel him projecting like his anger onto me. Um, But for the most part, like I felt, even though there was some activation there, I remain composed the entire time. And there was an audience. I had an audience. There were other customers waiting. There was one other uh, male customer waiting who was waiting with my colleague. And they were standing behind the kit counter or behind this other customer I was dealing with. And they're patiently waiting. But they are like totally looking at us and like trying not to get too involved in this situation but they were they were there and so not only did I have the pressure on me of working with this frustrated customer I also had the pressure of an audience observing me in this in this unfortunate situation while I'm trying my best to help this customer so eventually the customer leaves I, I ask him, like, how can we move forward? What what would you like to see happen today? And he said that he would like to, he's going to leave his vehicle and he would talk to his service advisor tomorrow and, fig- and make a plan of what they're going to do to get his vehicle started. So customer leaves. Then my colleague and her customer come to the desk and the man says, the customer, he was like, wow, I have no idea how you remained so composed through that entire interaction with that man. I would have been, I would have, I don't remember the specific language that he used, but in a nutshell, what he was trying to say is he would have been so mad with that customer and he just would have been told the guy to whatever. <laughs> you know, he would have met, met the customer's level of frustration and anger and he would not have been able to navigate that situation so well and my colleague said the exact same thing she you know and she's been in the industry like 10 years as well so as long as I have she's been in the industry a long time and she's like the highest selling service advisor in the dealership like she's really good at her job and she was like yeah even I wouldn't have been able to handle myself in that situation if people like start getting frustrated with me I just check out and I it was so funny because I started blushing (laughs) I started blushing when they when they were telling me this. In fact, I was probably more activated by them complimenting me on the situation than I was in that unfortunate customer service situation. Maybe it's because it was super unexpected. Like I was not, you know, in a position to be receiving compliments at that time. I don't know. Um, But it was funny. It was really funny to me about how blushy I got after they started complimenting me on my composure. Now, the other thing that really sticks out to me about what their compliments that they offered me is the male customer. He made a specific comment saying, your posture, your posture was also 
so so strong you had such strong posture and it what he did not mean like I had arrogant posture what he was really speaking to or what I gathered what he was speaking to is I had confident posture and that I was able to like not only psychologically hold myself in that situation but I was also able to like physically hold myself in that uncomfortable situation with that customer never did I like lean forward in an aggressive manner towards the customer I remained in the safety of my own body and my own space and and maintained good posture the whole time and it's so funny that he commented on that because think about it has anybody ever complimented you on your posture before like that's not that's not something that you would think really often right like you don't really think about people complimenting you like oh that person has such good posture right like to me that's just so bizarre and it made me blush even further because posture is something that I have absolutely been working on for the past several months and we'll get to that but it made me feel so blushy and embarrassed that somebody noticed my sense of good posture because of how much energy I've been devoting toward improving my posture. But really, the moral of why I'm telling you these two different customer service stories is because there is a huge difference in the speed at which I returned to my baseline through those high intensity levels of stress. That is the moral because the speed at which you return to your window of tolerance or return to your baseline inside your window of tolerance, this is more important than the intensity of the stress. So there was a lot of intensity coming from the customers in both of these different scenarios. They were both super frustrated. They were both challenging to navigate and deal with. They were both intense. But... The speed at which I returned to my baseline was drastically different. So the first customer service incident, I had to vent to all my colleagues. I was emotionally charged and I felt super deflated afterwards. And I it bothered me for the rest of the day. Whereas the second customer service incident, I by the time that I went to go address the next gentleman with my colleague, I was already back at my baseline. Like I had taken a deep breath. I took a deep breath and I moved on to the next customer and I was already ready to, like I had already moved past the intensity with that other customer. And this matters so much when we translate this into the scenario of manifestation because a lot of the times the things that we're manifesting so like our big dreams our big goals these life changing aspirations that we're working towards those big dreams those big manifestations are perceived threats to the nervous system they are a stress to the nervous system and there are four major perceived threats and challenges to your nervous system and that looks like physical safety or danger there's perceptions of the unknown, so we're afraid of what we don't know. There's incongruence in the environment, so a feeling like a lack of belonging or like you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
And the last is there these quote-unquote shoulds and unmet expectations. So this is like the societal conditioning. The societal conditioning, the expectations that either you've been putting on yourself or what other people have been putting on you and feeling like you aren't meeting them. These are the four different kinds of stresses. And this is what is going to trigger your, your, your threat responses. And this is what is going to trigger your threat responses in your nervous system. So I want to share with you the three things that I've been focusing on. I can't even say for sure like how long I've been focusing on these things for sure for the past like five months, six months or so, but I couldn't say exactly for sure how long I've actively been working on these things for. But these are the three things I've been focusing on that have helped me specifically come back to my baseline and simultaneously to widen my window of tolerance to be able to hold space for more perceived threat, to be able to hold space for more discomfort and why this has to do with manifestation. So the three things that I've been calling in the past few months are compassion, posture, and integrity. And I'm gonna dive into each one of these. So first we'll start with compassion. If you happen to catch the episode where I talked about manifesting a pregnancy, I did talk in in depth about how I've been cultivating self-compassion. But in a nutshell, compassion, this really comes from having unconditional love, starting with yourself and then extending that unconditional love to others because you can't unconditionally love others if you don't unconditionally love yourself. In order to have compassion, you have to have unconditional love. And if you break down the word compassion, it's made up of two words. There's come and passion. And come is a prefix that means to be with. And passion, um, originating from Latin, uh, means uh, suffering or enduring. So when you put these two words together, to be with, suffering or enduring. And I believe in order to have compassion, you have to have that unconditional love. And to have compassion, there is this deep aspect of having empathy and having boundaries. Never this or that. It's never just having empathy. You must have the empathy and you must have boundaries around your energy and around the empathy that you experience because then empathy can turn into sympathy. So I've been practicing radical self-compassion because I am a really emotional person. I have really big emotions. And I was taught for a good portion of my life to be an emotional gatekeeper, to suppress my emotions. There was a really long period of my life where I did not cry and I forced myself not to cry because I was suppressing my feelings. And then that ended up manifesting as really unhealthy coping mechanism, really unhealthy coping mechanisms because Emotions are energy in motion. They got to go somewhere. So if you're not going to let them out by crying or some other like healthy physiological coping method, then it's going to somehow manifest as dis-ease in the body. And that happened to me for sure. So having compassion for myself meant like having the courage to witness myself through my emotional processes without judgment. So not judging myself for when I'm feeling sad all of a sudden. 
you know, or when I was going through my dark night of the soul and when I was feeling apathetic and basically did nothing inside of my business for five months, I had to be compassionate with myself. I had to be patient with myself during that journey and trust that I was going to be able to come back to things if I gave myself enough time and space. So compassion. And number two, and this is a big focus that I want to bring to this episode is posture. So remember when I had that customer say to me that, you know, he commented on my posture. So why I've been wanting to do this or why this has been a really big focus for me is that I have been wanting to rewire my psychobiology. And your psychobiology is essentially that connection between your psychology, so like what's going on in your brain, and how your psychology affects your biology and vice versa. And there's this topic that I learned inside of my trauma-informed coaching certification is of active recovery. Um, And active recovery is a dynamic process that aims at restoring the energetic resources, which should generally happen through regulating the psychophysiological state. And that is something that is part of a study that was done in 2014, or this quote that I just read to you was part of a study done in 2014 by... Zigilstra, Cropley, and Rystead. My goodness, I hope I pronounced their names correctly. Um, But I really appreciated that, that specific definition. I'll read it to you again. Active recovery is a dynamic process that aims at restoring the energetic resources, which should generally happen through regulating the psychophysiological state. So restoring your energetic resources resources, replenishing your inherent energetic blueprint back to its back to its natural state through regulating the self. So when we look at psychobiology, there is this constant feedback loop between your physiology and your psychology. In other words, your behaviors affect your physical body and your physical body affects your behaviors or affects your psychology. There's that constant feedback loop and this is because of the nervous system. So the nervous system is essentially is essentially an extension of your brain. It is an extension of your brain. So you have your brain up in your head that's doing all of your thinking stuff for you, but then you have your nervous system that is doing the thinking for your body for you. And they are in this constant feedback loop with one another. And this is also going to affect you on a cellular state. Your psychobiology has the ability to change your cellular structure. Something that I appreciate that Alexander Barlow said back all the way in 1973 is that postures are positions from which only select emotions and behaviors can be possible. So coming back to this idea about how that um, male customer had complimented me on my strong posture and think and relating it to this is that the postures are positions from which only select emotions and behaviors can be possible really think about that and let that settle for a second only select emotions and behaviors can be possible so when you're in that confident posture state and i'm not talking about an aggressive posture and i'm certainly not talking about an insecure posture i'm talking about shoulders that are that are 
square to the body and a straight back and square hips. So in other words, the truncated section of your body, so from your root center all the way up to your crown, there is a strong state of posture, a confident state of posture. And it's from here that your emotional intelligence can flourish. Whereas when you're stuck in that crunched, cramped posture or an over-erect posture that would speak to that aggression, there's only certain kinds of emotions that are available there. So when you're in that um, over-erect sort of posture, there's extra testosterone that's pumping through your body and you're more likely to be emotionally overreacted, emotionally overreactive or aggressive. Or when you're in that crunched, collapsed sort of state, you're more likely to be in that dissociated sort of trauma response. Um, you're more likely to tap into the feelings of guilt and shame, those more low vibration emotions. So your posture really dictates what is emotionally accessible for you. So what I've been working on specifically with posture or what I've been manifesting specifically with posture is both physical posture and psychological posture. And this is a very conscious decision that I made for myself is I actually have this letter board. It's sitting behind me right now, a letter board that says I have posture. And that's something that I've actively been integrating into my psychobiology for the past several months. Because when I think about posture, I think about strong leadership and how leadership requires you to have strong posture. But the physical posture is really what embodies that confidence and makes that emotional intelligence accessible and makes that emotional intelligence accessible to me when I have strong physical posture. And then when I think about psychological posture, I'm thinking about nervous system regulation. I'm thinking about emotional regulation. I'm thinking about compassion. And I'm thinking about integrity. That's a huge part. I'm thinking about integrity in my beliefs and my values. Because I believe that a strong leader is someone that has integrity and doesn't fault on their beliefs and values. They stick to their beliefs and values. And I want to be that leader of integrity. I want to be an example of somebody that's embodied these beliefs and values, not somebody that just preaches about having certain beliefs and values. I want to have lived that. And I want to embody those beliefs and values and have integrity in that in every single action that I do. And I want that to be something that you feel from me, not something that you hear from me talking about. I want you to feel that from me when you experience my energy. And so to manifest this, I've kept posture at the focus of my attention and I've put a significant amount of awareness in my posture. So what this has practically looked like for me, so how I've been putting this into manifestation action is I have really adopted the belief that movement is medicine. So allowing movement to heal me. So when I have been working out at the gym now, okay, well, first of all, let's be clear. I have like, I am not a high intensity workout kind of gal. I mean, I am a projector, right? Like I, <laughs> I do not do those high intensity workouts. I'm never doing like running or sprinting on the treadmill. I'm never doing like super like heavy weight lifting or CrossFit, nothing ever like that. 
My workouts are paired with being able to be sustainable. And I, I recognize that for some people, high-intensity workouts, like especially like generators, manigens, you have at it, right? But for me, that just doesn't feel good. But anyways, so when I've been working out at the gym, I have been putting constant focus on strengthening and adjusting my posture. So for example, when I'm doing a deadlift, I am making sure that my shoulders are constantly rolled back even as I'm like talking about it I'm feeling myself feeling my shoulders roll back I'm making sure that my back is totally straight and that I'm not hunching my back I observe myself in the mirror when I'm doing deadlifts to make sure that I am holding a good posture and it's something I'm thinking about the entire time that I am doing the deadlift I'm focusing on strong posture like I literally say this in my head the entire time that I'm doing um, my deadlift, specifically deadlifts because I feel like deadlifts are the one thing that it's easy for me to really collapse my posture when I do a deadlift, um, more so than any of the other parts of my workout. So yeah, deadlifts in particular, I'm constantly saying to myself, posture. I have posture. I have strong posture. And I'm being highly intentional about this. So not only am I psychologically like telling myself this, I'm I'm programming this into my body, but I'm also like moving my body in the way that I'm commanding it to take on, that I'm commanding it to adapt to. So I'm getting not only just like the verbal mental instructions, but I'm also intentionally moving my body in that way. And it's clearly working. (laughs) So that has really been my focus at the gym is like strengthening and adjusting my posture. And then when I'm looking at sitting, so I sit a lot, you know, I sit at a desk at work, I'm sitting in my office right now, I am constantly focused on making sure that I'm sitting on my sit bones and that my my pelvis is pointed upward and that I'm anchoring on my tailbone and that my hips are square to what it is that I'm sitting on and that my back isn't arched, my back isn't like crunched over, etc. Now, I'm not perfect on this. You know, I'm still like you know, still building strength, still teaching my body to like have strong posture, but it is something I'm constantly adjusting. It's at the forefront of my focus. I've made it the forefront of my focus. So I'm going to take a moment and adjust my posture right now because I've already noticed like as I've been sitting that I've found myself weakening in my posture and I just caught myself. So when I'm walking, when I'm walking outside, I'm making sure that my shoulders are square. I'm making sure that my hips are, my hips are square. And, you know, I'm constantly keeping posture at the forefront of my focus in every single thing that I do. Before I go to bed at night, I do a little bit of a body scan and I feel like, oh, do I have some tension in my lower back or in my shoulders? Because those tend to be the weaker spots when it comes to, for me to adjusting my posture. I'm always like feeling into those areas. And why this has been so important for me is when I was doing my, my trauma coaching certification, we did this somatic exercise that really brought a lot of awareness to a particular sensation in my body that I hadn't connected to before. So we were we were getting silent in this exercise and we were supposed to be sitting and connecting with like certain pains in our body. 
And I had this sensation show up for me in my lower abdomen right around where my C-section scar is. And my C-section scar is right like right above my pubic bone. So that's where I've been holding a lot of tension. And so I had these pains coming from this place in my lower abdomen and I recognized. So in this in this moment I had really like I was super in my body was not in my head. So that's something that they really teach us inside of our program and it's now something that I teach clients is to get out of your head and connect with your body and allow the body to speak to you. And so what my body was saying to me is protection. So I had these pains in my lower abdomen and I found myself like in my posture. I was constantly curling inward and it wasn't like a curling in my shoulders to be slumpy. It was like a full body inward curling that was curling my body into my abdomen in a protective manner. So if you were to imagine the fetal position, just not as pronounced so like standing up even I would find myself even even this curl this curling was even happening in my hips my hips were curling into my abdomen so curling down into my abdomen my shoulders curling down toward my abdomen and then my the lower half of my body trying to push up into my abdomen All of this was in an effort to protect this area of my body. And my body said to me that it's because my C-section was traumatic and that I hadn't healed yet, fully healed from that C-section and that energy was blocked there. Ultimately, that's what it came down to is that there was energy blocked in my C-section area. And so I've been really intentional about correcting my posture and taking stress away from my abdomen, especially now that I am pregnant with my second child and I'm manifesting a vaginal birth, so a vaginal birth after C-section, a VBAC. I am I'm manifesting that. I don't want to put my body through the trauma of having a C-section again because any surgical procedure is inherently traumatic, whereas vaginal birth is not inherently traumatic it can be there can be traumatic things that happen during a vaginal birth but the process of birth itself for the woman is not inherently traumatic and so I've been focusing on moving the energy in my body and allowing the energy to move through my body by taking that stress away from my abdomen. So I've been holding my abdomen with compassion, recognizing that there is something that needs to be healed there and that there's energy that's blocked there. So holding it with compassion and doing deep diaphragmatic breathing and relaxing my pelvic floor. So sometimes what I'll do before I go to bed at night or when I'm taking a nap or when I'm just laying horizontally, I will like put my hands on my abdomen and I'll feel myself there. I will physically hold that space for myself and feel myself deeply breathing into my diaphragm and simultaneously relaxing my pelvic floor. And all of that is in an effort to heal that place in myself. And I have been having way less abdominal pain because I feel that abdominal pain has also translated into stomach ulcers. I've been noticing stomach ulcers at the same time. So like stomach pains that have been stemming from that abdominal pain. And I have 
massively noticed a decrease. I don't have to hunch over when I'm like from stomach pain anymore. So that's been exceptionally awesome. <laughs> when you have strong posture, your energy has free space to flow from your crown to your pelvic floor. Optimal energy flow has equal balance between a downward and upward motion without barriers, without obstacles, and without hindrances. So in order for you to feel most confident, in order for you to expand into expand into abundance to really feel the flow of abundance because abundance is an energy that wants to flow while all energy wants to flow but um, abundance requires you to be in flow and without obstacles barriers or hindrances so when you have optimal energy flow that really means to have equal balance between a downward and upward motion. And that means having strong posture. If you've got hunched shoulders, you're, that's an energy blockage there. Energy may get stuck there and it doesn't have the room to flow. And therefore, could be blocking your abundance flow. Strong posture has also really helped me increase the third thing that I've been focusing on, which is integrity. I believe that integrity is posture and adherence to your morals, your values, and beliefs, which I spoke upon as I was talking about what I believe a strong leadership has, a characteristic characteristic of a strong leader, and that's to have integrity. And that's someone who adheres to their morals, their values, and beliefs, even under pressure. And integrity is to have a state of wholeness. So for me how to cultivate integrity means to have radical honesty with yourself and to take radical responsibility for yourself. Taking responsibility for your own results in your life, taking responsibility for yourself, your actions, your success, having the ability to respond to all scenarios in life. You can't control what happens to you or what happens for you, but you can always control how you respond. And that is someone who chooses to respond instead of react or someone who has the choice and agency to react is somebody that has cultivated safety in themselves and has has strong leadership qualities because they are able to be self-responsible. And integrity is also a vital ingredient in order to overcome trauma. And healing from trauma requires you to integrate your thwarted experiences. So I'm going to talk more about that in the next episode when I, uh, the next episode is going to be about redefining trauma and how do you know when you're healed. So I think that's a really juicy topic and something that I'm excited to talk about. So you'll have to tune in in two weeks from now when I talk about that. But ultimately, healing from trauma requires you to integrate these thwarted experiences that you have and in order to integrate anything you have to move towards it and that requires that unconditional self-compassion and that requires having posture to be able to move towards something and to be able to hold yourself sustain yourself feel safe in yourself during that process that requires compassion it requires posture And integration requires integrity. The word integrity is literally inside the word integration. They share the root word integer. 
which is again Latin, like seemingly so many of our words in the English language, it comes from Latin, which is integer. And integer means wholeness. So integration, what does that look like? Integration looks like connecting with that wholeness of your body, looking at your body in that holistic, as a, as a holistic being, as a whole entity, and analyzing the whole entity that is yourself and accepting what is there, being able to set, accept all of the parts, not the this or the that, it's the this and that about yourself, accepting yourself in your wholeness. Because the curious paradox, as Carl Rogers says, the curious paradox is that one cannot change until one accepts what is. You have to have that self-acceptance about who you are in that whole state before you can start making progress or growing in yourself. So you connect with that wholeness by expanding your capacity for self-regulation and sensation tolerance. Now I find this to be a very particularly exciting exciting point, um, something that yeah fascinates me. It's so I'll say that again, is you connect with your wholeness by expanding your capacity for self-regulation and sensational tolerance. Sensational tolerance meaning not shying away from the sensations that are in your body, accepting emotions, accepting pains that you experience in your body, being able to integrate that experience, to look at yourself with that curiosity. Where does that feeling come from? What does that feeling mean? And having the capacity to regulate yourself through those sensations. Now, why does this matter when it comes to manifestation? Well, desire is the vital catalyst for manifestation. Desire is the first ingredient that's going to happen in your manifestation process. You must have an authentic desire for something in order for you to successfully and sustainably manifest it. Without true, authentic desires, your manifestations are gonna feel forced, they're gonna feel unfulfilling, they're gonna lack purpose, and they won't be sustainable. You won't be able to maintain your manifestations if they are lacking that ingredient of desire. So if you're trying to pursue something because somebody else imposed that upon you, so in other words, your societal conditioning, you know, going after a certain career because your parents told you to do it or society told you to do it, but it's not actually something that brings you a lot of joy or that lights you up, that's not going to be sustainable for you and you're probably going to be living in a cycle of burnout. So there has to be true authentic desire. Your body, the human body, is literally wired to seek pleasure and run away from fear. You are motivated towards pleasure and you are demotivated away from fear. <laughs> pleasure is desire fulfilled. And accessing pleasure fulfills you with purpose. And your purpose is your authenticity, who you really are as a person. Purpose is not what you do. Purpose is who you are, who you are becoming. And the identity of the person that expresses themselves through the actions that you carry out. 
So how can you really know what are your desires? How can you know what is your purpose, your pleasures? If you are disconnected from the vehicle that communicates that information to you. And that vehicle being your body. Your body is what feels pleasure. Pleasure is felt in the body. And your body is intelligent. Pleasure is a sign of body intelligence. Every sensation that your body experiences is a form of intelligence. Now, something particularly fascinating that I've been finding myself repeating a lot, one of my teachers in my program, her name was Ruella Frank, she said, you have to find the container before you can get to the contents. Like that was such a huge light bulb for me, for me inside of my program. I'll say it again. You have to find the container before you can get to the contents. How can you truly know what are your desires? How can you really know who you are as a person? How can you really know what is your purpose, your destiny, what you're meant to manifest, etc.? How can you really know any of that if you don't know what's containing that? If you don't have access to your container, if you don't know what your container looks like, what it feels like, that's your body. You need to come back to wisdom, to the wisdom of your body and allow yourself to feel its sensations in order to manifest anything with power, with success, with sustainability. And I know that it, it it's very simple, like the, this concept of connecting with the body, it's very simple, but trust me, I know that it's not always easy, especially if you are a trauma survivor like I mean, let's be honest, if you're like me or pretty much like everybody in the world, then you have been subject to some sort of traumatic experience. Or if you don't really resonate with the word trauma, that's fine. But Or if you've been subject to any of the four perceived threats that I stated earlier in the episode, if that, if that resonates with you more. I, everybody in the world has been subject to those four perceived threats before, any one of them before. So any one of those four perceived threats that can keep you outside of feeling in your body. That can keep you disconnected from feeling in your body. And these experiences may still be affecting your life and your body. They may be clouding your sensations and therefore your intuition. And your intuition is the core of your body intelligence. It is your guide throughout life. If you want to be a powerful, if, if you want to manifest with power, you must be connected with intuition because your intuition is what's going to guide you through through your journey. It's going to be what tells you what is true desire and which paths you are supposed to take, which decisions you are supposed to make on a day-to-day basis in order to bring your manifestations to fruition. Now, the important part about releasing trauma and connecting back to the body is to do so at a slow and tolerable pace. So there's no get rich quick scheme here when it comes to increasing your capacity for wealth because if you currently aren't experiencing the money flow that you desire, then you're going to have to come back into that rhythmic integrity of your body, that natural rhythmic integrity, and you need to do so at a slow and tolerable pace. You need to have compassion 
for your body. And that's why I am so passionate about money menstruation and manifestation and my Embody Your Wealth coaching because this is exactly what I guide you to do. There is no get rich quick scheme. There is no make money fast and, you know, just doing mindset work to make yourself, you know, become a master money manifester. That's not what my philosophy is about. My philosophy is that if you aren't experiencing the money flow that you desire, then it's about, then the solution lies in coming home to that natural rhythmic integrity of your divine feminine flow. And divine feminine flow is about surrender, right? There's there's surrender in that. There's patience in that. There's flow in that. There is a release of expectations. There's detachment in that. It's letting go of control. And that takes time when you consider that women in our society have been taught to operate like a man and to go, go, go and do, do, do. And we're often constantly stuck in this fight or flight or appeasing sort of body operation all the time. It's going to take time to to slowly integrate this philosophy into your life, but I promise you that when you can connect with your divine feminine energy flow, you are going to have sustainable manifestations. You're going to feel connected to purpose. You're going to be connected to pleasure. You're going to feel more fulfilled in life and a life of joy. And unapologetic abundance. So the points to hit home here is that the speed at which you return to your baseline is more important than the intensity of the stress that you experience because we're all going to experience intense stress in our everyday lives. Things are going to happen that are unavoidable, right? Things happen in life that we have to be, that we have to equip ourselves to deal with. And it's not about whether or not we feel the intensity of the stress. You need to allow yourself to feel the intensity of the stress, but it's about the speed that speaks to your resilience, Your resilience lies in the speed at which you're able to return to your baseline more than the intensity of the stress. And those stresses being the four perceived threats of physical safety, perceptions of the unknown, incongruence in the environment, and the shoulds and unmet expectations. These all, these different kinds of threats, these can all come up for you in your nervous system when it comes to your big dreams and manifestations. If you want to manifest a million dollars and you've never made more than $50,000 a year, that's going to feel like a big fucking threat to your nervous system. That's going to require an identity shift in order to become the type of person that's able to not just obtain, but maintain that kind of wealth. That's scary. That is incon- that's currently incongruent with your environment. There is perceptions of the unknown there. That is a threat to your nervous system. So it's about being able to witness yourself in that fear of being able to manifest a million dollars, but being able to come back to your baseline when those opportunities come up for you or when you start to receive the money and so that you don't self-sabotage as the money starts to come in. And I'm going to invite you to welcome more compassion, posture, and integrity into your life. Having more compassion for yourself as you witness yourself and have the courage to witness yourself 
in that discomfort, in the discomfort of the sensations that you're going to feel in your body through those high stress situations. I invite you to welcome more posture into your life, both on that physiological and psychological state so that you can have a a more optimal balance and harmonization of energy flow in your body so that abundance can flow with you. And I invite you to open yourself up to integrity analyzing what are your values. I invite you to take a list or take take inventory about what are your values. This is something that I have you do inside of MMM is to analyze what are your core values and pick the top 10 or even the top five and make those your primary focus. Always be thinking about what are my top five core values. My number one core value is energy. Energy is always at the forefront of my decision-making process. I am always asking myself, how does this decision influence my energy? Is this going to increase my energy? Is this going to take energy from me and I'm going to have to nap if I participate in the social event, like blah, blah, blah. I am always asking myself, how is this going to affect my energy? And because I keep that at the forefront of my focus, that allows me to stay in adherence with my morals and my values and belief and keeps me in that state of wholeness means that I'm taking radical responsibility for myself and that makes me a stronger leader. And these three things are what are really going to help you connect with the sensation of desire. Because unfortunately, in our society, women are judged and shamed for being desirous beings. And so we judge judge ourselves and we fear what desire feels like in our bodies. And we shy away from the feeling of desire and that disconnects us from the ability to live a life that has pleasure in it. And desire is the vital catalyst for manifestations. If you are unable to fully connect with the feeling of desire, your intuition will be ill-informed. Your intuition won't know how to guide you on the correct path to your sustainable, successful, and purposeful manifestations. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember to leave a review if this episode really spoke to you and feel free to screenshot this episode and share it in your Instagram or Facebook stories and you can tag me in it um, with your breakthroughs and takeaways. I feel so purposeful in leading you to transmute your witchy wounds into wealth. Thank you for listening to this episode and I will connect with you on the next one. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Each message that I share is enriched with expansive, passionate, and purposeful energy. If you felt awakened to your evolution, please pass on that energy by downloading, subscribing, and sharing on your favorite social platform. Click the links in this episode to enroll in the Confidently You freebie library and subscribe to the Confidently You email list to receive updates about the podcast and all of my offerings. And be sure to follow at confidently.amber on TikTok and Instagram for more daily and easily digestible messages that awaken your inherent abundance. I'm sending you so much love and gratitude, and I look forward to sharing more with you in the next episode. That's it for now, boo. Now go make some fucking magic.